Hey again, it's John Willis. This is another profound podcast. Um, actually, I'm going to use this time a little bit new so I can tell you Donna as well. I've got another Donna again, Donna Nap. And like, was if you listen to the last one, we just we could have gone on for hours. We had such a good time, but <laughs> I'll sure. announce the Donna and everybody else. Um, IT Revolution is going to uh, publish my uh, Deming book, and uh, they made that official. And it looks congratulations. Like, That's yeah, awesome. no, it's pretty exciting to know that it's fun. It's gone off the final. Like in in general, I'm done. <laughs> you know, I I know you're never really done. It's it's going into copy editing, and there might be some finishing touches. But after 26 months of it, really 10 years, but 26 months of really putting the pen to paper, um, you know, just to feel wow, it is really really done. And then the fact That's awesome. That, I found my right home. I, you know, I thought about other places, but in the end, the right place was IT Revolution. So the Kindle version will be out in the summer, and uh, there's apparently a paper shortage, supply chain <laughs> uh, nonsensey thing. So the physical copy won't probably be out till the end of the year, and then somewhere in between there will be the audio version. So we're going to have to just parlay it out so anyway that's my announcement to you donna awesome. everybody else uh, so donna what have you been up to since the last time well, and i was going to say you know from i'm like very passionate about sustainability and so it is a weird thing for me like one of my so i've written two college textbooks when i did a new edition to one of my texts they told me that it was the last edition where they would produce a physical copy that going forward, everything would be digital. And I, from this, the sustainability lover in me was like, that's awesome. And, but the author in me was like, but wait, you're going to print at least one of them for me, right? Like, <laughs> I need to yes, be able to put yeah. it on my bookshelf. Like, how, like, well, like the idea of not having a printed copy of my oh, no. book was inconceivable to me. But, uh, so, uh, congratulations. That's awesome. Well, you know, along those lines, me and Jean did, um, uh, Beyond the Phoenix Project audio only book it was very right. much it was modeled re- loosely modeled after Elliot Gorat's Beyond the Goal. I had approached Gene and I'd said right. had this great right. idea, you know. It was uh, you know it was only about five years after Phoenix Project, you know, because we're both big fans of Beyond the Goal. It's just it's an amazing audio book. Um, so you know, we did it. We did this audio book, and he talked about Gorat and he talked about making of. And I did that. Actually, that's where I really first got serious about sort of my Deming research, you know, because I did a whole section of Deming. And, right. And uh, and I sort of joke periodically that friends don't let friends do audio only books because <laughs> you can't. You, you need that. There's something about going to a trade show and signing a book and you right. know, showing exactly. up at a customer's site and and the, sort of the the executives ask you to sign the book. I it's, it's um there's still um you know I I think you're right about the sustainability. In fact, we probably need a third podcast now and I think about because you really got me thinking about Deming and sustainability. And I haven't I, you know, uh, my queue of things I want to do, it's still a little bit deep in the middle, but yeah, I want to explore that because I think that's right. really interesting. Um well good. Um he was passionate about it. He yeah, no, I he never I, called it that, but he was passionate. About no, it. I, I did a couple of searches right after the podcast just to see, and I'm like, you're right. And then I, you know, that you know, here we we go. This is me and you get into really cool tangents, but the you know, the thing that's you know fascinating about Deming is his choice of words are so important, and there's there's depth to them that like I, I feel sometimes it's like you 
once you think you understand something, then you, you read something else and you're like, oh, you know what? There was a lot more to that the right. set of words that he meant. And the more and more I get into it, you know, so I think the words he chose, I think you're right. I think that, um, you know, that sustainability um, was really not, you know, sort of in the mainstay. As, as, right. as um, um, I mean, you know, uh, Danella Meadows, um, you know, in her thinking of systems, her original work was around sustainability and green and, and right. that was produced right around the time that Deming uh, passed away. So, so yes, right. we'll definitely have that conversation. And same thing with customer experience. Like I did some searching one time to find out, like to try to figure out, did he ever use phrases like employee experience hmm. and the employee experience movement was launched right after he like really? same exact thing like he was it was just slightly after his death that we started using those terms hmm. to talk about what he's been talking about for yeah knows? yeah no there's uh there's a lot of there there um you know like, um yeah it was just, anyway i think there's a whole um we could turn this into the Donna John show, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right. So last time, if anybody was teased a little bit, you know, about the way we ended the last podcast was you really wanted to go on about root, you know, wanted to understand my thoughts and your, you know, compare them to your thoughts on root cause and root cause analysis. And, and I promised everybody that we would do that. And here we go. So, why don't you go ahead and flesh out your thoughts about this subject, and then I'll tell you what I've learned. Because I think we both come from the same place. We've both been doing this for quite a long time. We, you know, we've been doing this before DevOps was a term. Um, you know, our experiences go back. You know, you know, I'm not going to out you on your age, but I'm. You know, I literally started my career in 1980 basically, um, you know, working with large corporations. And, uh, you know, so we've seen a lot of transitions and, and a lot of sort of management principles, ideas roll in and out throughout the years. So um, so I I think like you, when I first heard this sort of counterculture root cause, it didn't sit well with me, but right. I, I did my homework and I, and I and I had some great advisors. So but I'll let you go first and I'll tell you what I've learned. Okay. So I want to first of all start at the present day and then I'm going to take you back. Because okay. interestingly, last the week before last week, uh, before yesterday, I went to the um Pink Elephant Conference, which is for IT service management professionals. It's it's put on by the company Pink Elephant based in Canada. And um problem management was an important topic of conversation. Companies were talking about it. Um, and interestingly, um, they. one of the things I got asked along the way is, how do you tie SLAs to problem management? So this is some like pretty advanced thinking about problem management, which is, which is kind of interesting in context with our conversation, which is this pushback in the DevOps and a tiny bit the SRE community when it comes to problem management. So let's distinguish between problem management, kind of the greater process of managing problems and root cause analysis. But okay, so now let's go back in time. So I don't know, 10 years ago or so, I went to a conference 
And the presenter made the comment that root cause analysis is a complete and total waste of time. And I remember thinking in my mind, like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> you're just crazy, man. And um, he he made a couple of comments that kind of shifted some brain cells for me in terms of, you know, things like it is typically turned into a finger pointing game, a blame game. And I thought, okay, I can understand when you're in a toxic environment and, and it's being misused, which is really kind of my immediate thought. Well, you're just misusing uh, the concept. I can understand the pushback on it, right? And I can understand the hesitation to, to, to do it. He also made the comment that there is no single root cause in a complex system. And this mantra, like I've heard now for years, right? You hear it come up in presentations over and over again. And I always like rephrase that sentence into there is no single root cause in a complex system, right? He said there is no root cause in a complex system. And I rephrase it that there's no single root cause in a complex system, right? And 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 again. In my mind, it has translated into, sorry if you're hearing some no worries. noise in the background. I live in Florida. Yes, the yard people are going through, of course, right at this very <laughs> moment. Um, so, again, I kind of thought to myself, well, this is just a misunderstanding of how to use root cause analysis. And one of the techniques that's constantly brought up is the five whys. And if all you know about root cause analysis is the five whys, I can sort of understand how you, you think it's, it, it's driving to a single solution, right? Because it is, the five whys is intended for rather simple problems. It does, it does in fact, try to drive you to a single solution. But you know what? There's a lot of root cause analysis techniques. So I always bring up things like Ishikawa diagramming, which challenges you to think about the set of causal factors that may, in fact, be causing, um, you know, whatever this problem is. And, you know, for years, we've talked about people, process, technology, information, right? So you can actually use something like a Chicago diagram to like explore you, all those different things. Can you do a quick, um, you know, sort of elevator pitch on Ishikawa, the, the Ishikawa so diagram? So Ishikawa diagramming. I mean, I know what it is, but I, I think I don't yeah. think. Yeah, so it, it's a technique that actually came out of the Toyota production system. So it dates. So hence Deming was in the mix in this a little bit. But um, well, Ishikawa was a student of Dr. Deming. So uh, so yes, yeah. Yes, right. So a direct, kind of a direct. Back to that time, and um, what Ishikawa—it's very often called fishbone diagramming. Right, right. So, kind of the simple visual to get in your head is a fishbone, right? Where there's multiple branches, um, and what you do is you state the problem, and then you come up with um, categories of causal factors. So again, categories might be people, process, technology, information, right? And then you explore, okay, all the different, and very often you use a technique like brainstorming, right? To brainstorm all of the various causal factors that might be contributing to this problem. And then and then typically with, with root cause analysis, what you start to do is now move into 
um, you know, scientific thinking, put forth a hypothesis. What do you think is the cause? Um, what do you think you can do to, you know, minimize the impact of or prevent, you know, whatever is the problem? And then you conduct some experiments, right? And a lot of, I think a lot of times folks don't necessarily understand and appreciate that the Deming plan do check act cycle, like it's sometimes misinterpreted as you create a plan and you execute that plan and you check that you executed the plan to the letter of the. Yeah, it's, it's, it's why he actually wanted it called, he changed the study, right? For that example. Right. right. Study the results understand did you you know put forth a hypothesis did you prove or disprove your hypothesis and then act on what you learned so ishikawa diagram and kind of can in fact combine a bunch of techniques right? right because it can it can you can use brainstorming as a part of that like throw out any and i all ideas no ideas or bad ideas and then and then kind of go forward from that putting forth your hypothesis and I like the technique because it lends itself to understanding that the reality, the answer might be see all of the above, right? We need to make some process changes. We need to upskill our folks. Yes, maybe there was some kind of technological issue, but even that, you know, we might have had a technological problem because of how that technology was implemented or configured, right? And so how did it get that way? So um, you can kind of, you know, in the end, you're hopefully, um, I use a little idle vocabulary, think more holistically, right? Hopefully you can understand what are all the causal factors that could potentially um, help you, right, to overcome this problem. So, but ironically, hold on, I'm going to get something. So. This is not another book where I spelled Deming wrong, is no, it? No, 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 no. This is actually <laughs> my book. But interestingly, um, so when I started, this is in the spirit of full disclosure. So when I started going down this journey, I looked at my book to see how in my book I defined root cause. Where's it at? I can't find it. And I defined it as the singular definitive causal factor which if eliminated would prevent the problem from occurring which is a very historical definition of root cause right? right if you actually look at if you were to google root cause right now that's probably what it said and i learned you know i learned a lot of this stuff like really early on 1980s i you know my roots are in lean and so that is a very historical definition. So I like kind of cringed a little bit because it's like, oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm walking around preaching there is no single root cause in a complex system. But this book is in revision. So the definition go. of root cause will be different in the new edition. Um, and, and so let's move forward. Like I thought, all right, well, we just have to revise the definition, right? We have to move off this definition that, and, you know, Deming actually talked about this a lot. He Another phrase he never really that I have found used is the concept of silver bullet, but he abhorred the concept, right? He mm -hmm. abhorred thinking that there was like some magic solution yeah. that you could come up with that would solve everything. Um, you know, he he very much was about system thinking and understanding that the organization is complex and you have to understand all its parts. So, I again, I still was in the mindset that like, okay, 
we just need to understand that there is no single root cause and we need to understand how to, there are other root cause analysis techniques in the five whys. And, 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 and so let's, you know, again, think a little more holistically. So then just last year, I was having a conversation with Suresh GP. Do you know Suresh? So thought leader in the DevOps and SRE community. And we were talking about um, a concept in SRE where you move from reactive to proactive to preventative to predictive incident management. So I asked him to explain to me, to give me a good example of how he distinguishes preventative versus predictive. And in the course of explaining that to me, I had this little light bulb go on. <laughs> and I said to him, like, wait, can we talk about root cause analysis for a minute? And he was like, wait, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. But I think the insight I took away from that conversation was, okay, so maybe the DevOps and SRE community see it as inherently reactive, root cause analysis. Maybe they see it as just inherently reactive because the incidents have already happened, right? And so we're trying to figure out why they happened. Or even when we talk about proactive problem management, right, which is a concept we talk about in ITIL, for example, um, a lot of times the examples that are given are to, you know, through, you know, trend analysis. And we're talking now about AI and being able to use AI um, in order to kind of better and, 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 and you know, earlier in the process, understand trends, right? And, and understand and be able to start to predict that an incident might happen. And so what can we do to prevent it? And I thought, well, okay, that's an interesting concept, right? Of, of understanding that at the end of the day, can we introduce better design practices? Can we introduce better testing practices, right? You know, what are all the things we need to do as part of a shift left concept in order to prevent incidents from occurring? So, okay, I can understand the thinking that it's inherently reactive. But, and so maybe here's where I am now. But that's an ideal, right? That's that's an ideal, like in a perfect world. Could we introduce practices that, you know, are build quality in, right? It's really what them increased, yeah. right? Um, but can we build quality in? And the answer is yes, in a perfect world, we can. We don't live in a perfect world. Incidents are still happening. Major incidents in particular are increasingly visible, right? They can significantly damage companies' reputations or cripple companies, especially as we've moved into this digital world, right? Where, where we're so dependent on digital technology. So I'm still in a place where I feel like it would be irresponsible not to use root cause analysis All right. to try to figure out what happened there hey. and what can we do to prevent it. So, now, so let's go back and, and just say, but use it right, use it in a blameless way, become skilled in using it. The third way, right? Mastery through practice. Understand that there's lots of different techniques. And the more you use those techniques, the better you can become at using them. And then, and then, you know, optimally look at not just what's the short-term fix that we can apply. Yeah. 
that in the end might translate to a workaround. But what really, what behavior changes can we make? What cultural changes can we make? What process changes can we make? What skill-related changes can we make that all would translate into, you know, so I agree. I agree. But here's the thing, right? And and I think this goes back. To I know. Deming. It's like, okay, let's go. Yeah. So, but I think here's, you go back to Deming, right? Like words matter. You know, like, I, I don't know when he decided to. So, I mean, I mean, I won't give the whole diatribe of the history of PDSA, but basically it was, you know, basically it was a Schuert. And when he, when Deming introduced in Japan, they called it the Deming wheel. Ultimately, Ishikawa and his crew called it PDCA. Right. Like, don't quote me exact here, but and then there was some lag where Deming decided that the C was wrong because he felt words were important, and that's why he wanted it. His vision of it was PDSA. It was being misunderstood. Yeah. Well, because the word change, just you know, like to him, like uh, the wrong word at the wrong time. You know, or at the right time or the wrong time is is really important. And and I think that even if, you know, like, you know, I tried to do a little bit of a search on Deming and, and the words root. Um, certainly there's tons of um Toyota Ono. He was the you know 5Y creator. I have some thoughts on on the difference between culture in Japan and what what sort of root means versus what root means in America. Mm-hmm. The point is the I think the um there's two problems. One is there's the like everything old needs to be thrown out because we they didn't understand, and that's nonsense, right? And like let's not even look for some of the incredible valuable tools that exist for over a hundred years, um, at least, maybe more, but certainly since Deming or Schuitz. But but I I, I do agree that sort of root is the wrong word. And so that's where it boils down to. Like, I think that, you know, like, okay, John's simple fix called probable cause. Because that's right. basically what it is. The issue that happens, and you address some of these, and I, I, I did a little bit of a sort of a, a list, but, um, and again, I think there's this great blog, and I'll post it. I saw about somebody who worked for, uh, it was like hospital care, and and um, and um, and he was explaining about, like, first off, the metaphor of a root social systems aren't a plant, right? Like, you know, they, they, um, you know, they, they are systems, they have feedback loops, they're, they're virtuous or, or, or vicious cycles. They are um, reciprocal, you know, A causes B causes C, A can cause C, right? So you have all this. Right. So, so, so when you get into the people who think about like um, new thinking and incident, um, complex system, systems thinking, that word root has so much baggage to it. Right. And, and and what it what it leaves, you know, first and foremost, I think that the the, the true people, you know, what, what happened to me was I was like, you all crazy. I've been doing real good analysis for my whole life. Right? And then the people that started arguing with me were brilliant people. And I'm like, OK, you know, right. and um, I need to go sort of desk check. And and I, I, I you know, I spent a lot of time. In fact, I did this, so one of the stories was in the DevOps handbook. Um, this is probably not known. I don't know if I ever told this story. Um, John Ospar had asked, oh, um, no, that was situational awareness. That's another bag, bag of worms, but all right. Uh, but it was very similar. But but I, I, there was a lot of conversations I've had with John Ospar. He's been an incredible mentor to me, um, a brilliant, brilliant person, 
incredible human, you know, just so many things that are so awesome about John Osbar. But, um, you know, like I, I started listening to his thoughts. And I'm like, well, he knows what he's doing. So let me um, let me go start reading, you know, and I think if you read his uh, master's thesis, or, you know, the, the, the things that you'll that probably pop up first, um, the um, is the if it. It, unfortunately, in sort of the American or Western culture version of the root root cause analysis, root cause um, doesn't enable learning. The way it's it again, it's the word. Like somebody like you could use the word root cause and root cause analysis all day long, and I'm certain and I know you're doing the right practices. Unfortunately, in mass, the the word sort of simplifies the problem in that you know it implies that there's a single you've already pointed this out there's a single uh, cause um, it could be mm-hmm. oversimplify and 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 again not take into account one of them I mean, core principles appreciation for a system right systems thinking right you know? Um, you know and then you get into the whole um, you know uh, misidentifying or mistaking symptoms for causes and then we get into the more detailed. Um, you know, special cause, common cause, thinking that, a, you know, like a root right. cause could be, um, you know, the, 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 the sort of I, I sort of my quote is the uh, a misinterpreting um, a variation is the cause is the cause of all evil. Right. So um, the right. right. Like if you misinterpret a special cause for a common cause or a common cause for a special cause. Right. Right. So I think that that's the thing is, is that word has too much baggage to a new culture who's trying to who's who are growing up with systems thinking, nonlinear thinking. And it just, it you know, they, they've seen too many um, examples of, of, you know, deterministic, you know, like, you know, again, you know, I know if we could all go back, I, I dare to. And I'd be scared to death for anybody to read out loud something I wrote, you know, 10, 15, <laughs> 20 years ago, right? Um, I know. That's why I like, you know. You and so, uh, friend, well, anyway, I, I have like, a, I have a good Demi joke. Like, I knew you would not judge me for. No, no. And well, in fact, you know, there's a there's a great story I heard about Dr. Deming where um, somebody had asked him, somebody was in one of his seminars. And I, I don't know if I said this last time, but. They were, um, they were, Dr. Deming, Dr. Deming, I saw your seminar three years ago and you said, you know, X is X, X, Y, Y. And he said, I will never apologize for learning. You know, right? but, yeah, so awesome. but I think that's what it comes down to. And so I think the other thing, too, is I, I you know, I I still um, the reason I like probable cause, because then that fits in line with Deming, Ishikawa, you know, all the sort of follow on work, Duran. I think they all would agree that you know that it, it, these are probable, probabilistic. You know, uh, statistical process control is a system for probabilistic identification or analysis. Deming, you know, talked about the difference between analytical statistics and enumerated statistics, right? Um, so I think to me, and then I, I think you're right. I, I, the other thing too is, you know, if you look up the definition or sort of you read um the quite the so even um Toyota Ono's five whys, right? I want to believe that he didn't really mean five. I think he meant luckily maybe by the time you start the problem by asking questions. That like that's not in any pattern right. <laughs> in any universe or any scenario. I think the fishbone stuff is just stuff that just doesn't get you just like SPC does not get used in our industry right. nearly enough, right? Um, 
there's always this like, oh my goodness, you know, um, Six Sigma is terrible. I mean, I just got an argument with Stephen Spear, Dr. Spear recently about how terrible Jack Welsh was. Well, t- Jack Welsh was not a great leader, but I worked at GE Capital and I did Demaic. My wife was a black belt, a green belt, and we worked like scientists. Now it was very right. dogmatic and, you know, I think they went overboard on it. Um, also in the early 90s, I don't know many corporations that were priding and making diversity a first-class principle. Right. He was. Um, you know, they're, they're managing modeling. So this this idea that it's either black or white, right? right. You know, like it's either root cause is terrible. Like that person who stood up and said, you know, this is a total waste of time. Well, let's let's be careful about our choice of words. You know, the other thing I've right. just recently done a, re- a lot of research on is operational definition or operationalization. The thing we're terrible in our industry is not defining an operational deficiency. So what does root cause mean? What does zero defect mean? Because I think we're going to be having this argument about zero defect in the future. I think right now, opening people, and this is one other point I want to make. Back in the day when me and you started, it was the wild, wild, wild west. Today, it's just the wild west, right? Um, And we had no tools. Right. We and so things like idle popped up and service management, and we started embracing tools. And then, you know, as time goes on, it's easy to look back and say, Oh, that's terrible stuff. But but there's an evolution here. So then the notion when you wrote that book and you talked about root cause analysis, that was what the world in IT needed to hear. Right. Now it may not be right today in a world that's far more complex. Right. Um, so, um, so I think that again, the the words matter, but what what really matters is what is our operational definition. So right now, zero defect or or zero trust. Sorry, zero trust. Is I was going to say zero defects coming back because no, no, I, I my bad. bad Maybe I'll have to even erase that. I meant to say even the trust. author who who coined that term. I'm trying to but zero defects. Yeah, he, yeah. I don't. I didn't want to even. Guy, use that. that was a. I brain. would have to think about it. The guy who coined that term er, later in his life actually wrote about the fact that he rude the day that those words. Oh, really? Oh, brilliant, mind. brilliant. Well, I think because what, he said people lost their minds. Yeah, people yeah. just lost sight of. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see, this is the problem with words, right? I think this is the same thing. And what I meant to say, and I'll like say it, like I'm sorry for anybody to throw this off course. I meant. Um, zero trust. Zero trust. Zero trust exactly. right now. Okay. I think there'll be a time when somebody's going to look at it and say, "What the heck were they talking about?" Zero right. trust. There's, there's no such thing as you know a zero. Like you know, like, like again, these these sort of deterministic root or deterministic zero defect or zero trust or like right, these are not realistic things that exist in the right. physical world. We're in social and physical world. So um, so unless well, we have demi-gated slogans, and that's an exit idea. Or, or minus clear operational definitions. Right. Then we get into this sort of like arbitrage of is it horrible? Is it great? Is it work? Does it not work? Should we throw everything out? So um, so at the end of the day, I, I think that the word today, a root and root cause analysis is the is not the proper way to describe it. I, you know, right. I don't know if I'm singularly going to change the mind share of everybody to say we should probably be calling it probable cause because everything that we've learned um, to, to date 
is that the best we can do is make probable, you know, these systems are so complex. You know, and going back, you were, you were talking about the, um, the, the, the question between preventative and predictive. I think it's the same thing. It's a probability. Preventive implies a deterministic, I can stop this from happening. Right. Complexity demands that it's never, there's this notion of the arrow of time. It will never be exactly the same. You right. know, John Osborne has this great thing that he saw. I've seen in a presentation. He so he loves when some he sees a developer, and it's not any push against a developer. It could be anybody puts in the log, seen this before. Like mm-hmm. a, a transaction that runs like a billion times an hour, maybe a minute. Like no, you, you, there's no seen this before. Like the, right. the 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 way these systems work and the dynamics between the humans and the complexities and the transactions and the systems, the networks, the network delay. I mean, like we can go on and on. That that, that nothing, everything is going to be new. Right. So the best we can do is be probabilistic. And again, this is why I'm such a big fan of Deming. Was like Deming's analytical statistics is sort of underutilized in our in in our world, and right. it really is. You know what Shuid decided was, you know, the, the only reasonable way to to do quality analysis in manufacturing, and Deming took that to all other areas, is to use statistic analytical statistics. Um, you know, so I, I think that. Um, so that that's why I come to the world where I basically agree with you know all of the the sort of the the new discussion about root cause. Where I disagree is to wholesale say everything that falls under that umbrella or anybody who has prior art knowledge of how to solve problems is useless. Right. Well, and. I, you know, I think what I like about something like probable cause analysis is it inspires experimentation, right? Yeah, it, right. It, it's like, all right, but let's understand that we now still have to prove it up. Like there's another, there's a quote in, um, I don't know, one of the SRE uh, courses that says, root cause is the point at which we stop learning. And I thought, Okay, that's interesting. It's an interesting perspective if we're chasing the shiny bullet, right? Which we tend to do. Americans in particular, we love the shiny bullet. Um, If we're chasing the shiny bullet and we, you know, we come across the easy answer, let's point the finger, that's where the problem lies. But the question I would always beg is can you prove it, right? You know, even if we go back to my original definition, then you should, in fact, be able to eliminate that and prove up that by eliminating whatever yeah, that... Yeah, I think that's where we would disagree. I, I think in complex systems, you cannot eliminate. Now, you, right. can, you can... So all we can do is experiment. That's right. We can arbitrage and we can basically create better practice. It's Kaizen. Like, basically, the answer is, and I guess that's, you know, the, the assumption is that we will continuously improve. Um, so, but we have to move away from, you know, the, the example that, so first off in um, Sydney Decker, Sydney Decker has a book. I, I, tr- I, uh, I try not to recommend it because there's some things in there. I, I don't believe um, I agree with um, socially or philosophically. So I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But, but one of the things he does in the book, which is basically fascinating, it is the single, I think I'm going to write about it in a way that I can point to my blog article 
and not attribute the book. But what he what he does is he takes the um, the the postmortem that was done by uh, uh, Valerie uh, Legasov, which is the guy who was basically doing postmortem on Chernobyl, uh, Scott Snook, who did the um, the postmortem on Black Hawk Down, and the Columbia uh, Accident Investigating Board, and all of them were trying to look for a root cause. I mean, the, the actually Scott Snook's quote was, "The fate of the army." or the Air Force, or the military is at stake if we can't basically pin this on somebody. This is the black right. book, right? And all of them came to the same conclusion that it was basically post-Cold War policy enforcements that caused all three of them. So the, right. the point being, what I would... System. Right, it's the system. And so what I used to use to say, here's why a group of people don't like root cause, because it can lead to a false identification of solving a problem. A patient dies in a hospital. So we, we do some form of 5Y. We find out that the patient was given um, the, the the certain injections of, I'm totally making this up, of needles in the wrong order. Okay, right. we solved the problem. Um, it was a bad need, but needle. So we fire the um, the nurse, right? And then, so what happens six months later, a patient dies in the hospital. We find out. Looks like the same problem. Maybe it isn't the nurse. Oh, it's the diet. It's the um, it's the dietitian switched the table. Um, it flipped it around, and so when the nurse came in, they took the one on the left, gave it. Right. So we fired the dietitian. Then six months later, um, again, patient dies. Um, we realize, oh my goodness, it's the, can't be the dietitian. We look and we find out that it's um, that the pharmacy to cut costs basically start stop color coding the needles right uh, for cost you know and, and you might think okay that, that supports that notion that repauses where we've stopped learning that's right, right. exactly that's right that's right well we, we could make fatal fatal mistakes right especially in um in in in, in safety critical environments um but the um you know i think that the the thing is that you know that this idea that you just you know we can improve but like the the and you know and I think the other thing when I I went back and I looked and I said this earlier when I looked at like Toyota Ono's right and he does say root cause and root um, I found this really good article about how you know when you think about um, sort of a Western culture blame and and the sort of the um, the Japanese culture on a holistic what's good for the company I, I, again I think they're the the idea of like a five why there where like blamelessness is sort of built into the cult. It, it I won't say that nobody in Japan blames anybody, but there tends to be a more intrinsic motivation of for the company for the whole, right? As opposed to sort of a Western, um, and so so people are less likely because that's the other danger. I think the reason that you'll find the safety critical people and the resilience people be very vehement against the term root is they believe people die right because because what like you know the 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 idea of a root cause implies that you found a root um actor and in which case in an environment that sort of behaves that way nobody's going to tell and be honest and say right. yeah it was me you know i i'm the one who flipped the table from fear of retribution fear of getting fired right. So, so the the whole notion of us copying some of the lean 
ultimately Toyota techniques in some ways is misplaced because the Western culture is completely different than an Eastern culture. So, Well, Deming said something to that effect one time. He said something about Americans wanting to copy, but we don't know what we're copying or something. I can't remember. Well, there's, there's an ono. There's an ono. I don't he know. spoke to that, but... It, there's I an think, Ono quote. It's, it's not. It's. I. It, I'd have to dig out as it was, but somebody had asked Ono, "Why do you let all these American companies come over and sort of watch and copy our process?" And and you know, he said basically because they can copy our process, but they'll never understand our culture. Right. Yeah. But I think so. That would. Where are we? Three minutes to go. All right. Yeah. So that brings us to the whole conversation about leadership, right? And I think. I think part of this, the challenge is then for leadership to understand, first of all, um, how to appropriately apply these techniques and to coach people in how to use these techniques. You know, if you think about kata, there is a coaching kata, right, right. which teaches leadership how to coach people on continual improvement. So. I think today what we need is leaders, and I'm not talking executive leadership, I'm talking leaders at any level in an organization, right. really understanding how to appropriately use these techniques, maybe how to shift the vocabulary. I think that's a fair statement. If we need to shift our language a little, that's okay. Common language is having having an effective common language is always a, 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 an important first step in shifting culture, I believe. It's why we adopt frameworks, right? It's adopt, it's to have a common vocabulary. And then and then the big challenge becomes for leadership to then empower people and trust people to take action based on what they think is wrong, not then make a decision. Okay, the easy out is to fire that guy or that girl, but to actually empower people to make changes in their systems day in and day out that could lead to better ways of working. I think in some organizations, they're getting there. In other organizations, we're still not quite there yet, right? We still, uh, certainly in enterprises, we still see a little bit of command and control. And um, and that and, and, and that has to shift as well, right? Because I can understand, the other reason I can understand people not wanting to use techniques like, let's call it probable cause analysis, is because they actually take the time to get together as a team, to collaborate, to come up with hypotheses, maybe even to conduct some experiments, to come up with what they think the solution is. And then leadership says, nah, you know, we're not going to spend that money or we're not willing to change the policies or the processes in a way, in the way that you're recommending. So good job, team. Uh, let's move on to whatever is the next hot, big, you know, issue that has their attention. So, um, you know, it, it, it always, I think, a shift in mindset and language and how we talk about things and how we apply things comes down to leadership. Well, yeah, totally. And well, leadership, definitely. And I mean, that's, you know, that's a, you know, a Deming cornerstone, right? But um, your know, words, I mean, words matter. And sometimes right. words have to get changed just because they have to get changed. Again, the right. word that was appropriate at the time, work may not be appropriate now or in the future. Um, yeah, and, uh, I think and that's I think, and, and I think the other thing too is that, you know, like, you know, um, the reason I like doing podcasts with you because there's just, there's a lot of knowledge 
in in sort of your world, right? You know, service management, ITIL, that sort of gets looked at from the new world of like, oh, that's all nonsense. Right. right? And and so um, you know, and I think to me, you know, like again, I've got Deming on the brain, but if I look at where like Deming got his knowledge from, and and it wasn't just shoot, it was pragmatism, it was it was early physicist, it was, you know, it was, you know, it was sort of the notion of quantum of you know the the world being completely different, probabilistic. I mean, he was all about probability, statistical, analytical statistics. And then right. you look at what came after him, like Ishikawa and and I, you know, I, if you haven't read um, uh, what uh, K- Katie Anderson's uh, "Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn," it's an amazing book. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's it, she uh, she befriended um, a, a gentleman uh, named Yoshino who worked at Toyota for like four decades and tells four stories. This is somebody who actually worked at Toyota. That's awesome. I mean, God bless right. all of our mentors who taught us about Toyota, like Rother and, and Spear. But like this guy actually did four. And one of them was a colossal failure. And two of three of them, one of them was, say, just okay. And two of them were amazing success stories. But he points to a guy named Masio Nomoto, mm-hmm. who he says is, and I wrote a blog article about this, he mm-hmm. says is was as important as Toyota Ono. And in some ways, more important. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who? When you read Masamoto's Nomoto's uh, uh, book, the number one person he talks about that you should read before you read his book is Ishikawa. <laughs> and Ishikawa was part of Juice, who basically was baptized by Deming. So <laughs> it all goes back. Oh, I mean, I don't know how many times I have to say this. It all. <laughs> if you think your uh, 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 your discipline is lean and you think Toyota is great, like let's be really clear this stuff and not just came from Deming it came from pragmatism it came from right. physicists it came from you know just a lot of thinking that was happening in the second scientific re- revolution um but and we can't you know like to me you know my sort of mission these days is to bring all that to the forefront to say this is what we all inherently know like when you when you tell people system profound knowledge and you explain it that you know, even the newest of the fanciest you know pipe hitting uh, you know k native function coding lambda coders oh my goodness i get it right you know, but we have to sort that of be sense. careful about how we do our dialogue so that when you talk at a forum and have incredible amount of information people don't dismiss you because they hear you say you know i'm just using you as, as you, yeah cuz you use this because we don't, we don't, we, we make the first cardinal sin that everybody agrees in. We don't learn, right? So, um, yep. There you go. No, good. I Got it. Probable we solved cause it. Analysis. We solved the problem. We solved it. So, but so, just to make sure it doesn't go unsaid, uh, need it. It's important. Learn to use it properly. Yeah. And Use it to learn, to experiment and learn. Yeah, there, there's there's an incredible amount of intellectual property built around problem solving, incident problem, understanding complexity, change management, all those things that are that 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 like a, just incredible body of work that should just not be dismissed because of the word root. Right. <laughs> so. And actually, if you read about Toyota, it's often said that what Toyota was trying to accomplish was to create 
an organization of problem solvers. They That's exactly right. right. Yeah. So much of the kata was about That's teaching right. people how to learn. solve problems. Yeah, learn. And, Not and just I did... teaching this elite group of leaders how to solve problems yeah. and then dictate to everybody else what to do, but every single individual in the organization day in and day out, how to, how to solve problems. Yeah, what a great life skill, right? There's some variant. I, I don't ever get the quote exactly right, but in um, Stephen Spears, um, uh, you know, basically his dissertation, which was published in HBR, the uh, uh, decoding the Toyota, the, the decoding the the TPS DNA or something, or DNA right. decoding, what it's some, and and the quote isn't exactly like this, but it was something to the order of um, Toyota was a community of scientists continually experimenting. Uh-huh. So that's we want to call that root cause. You want to call it probable cause. You just want to call it um, analytical statistics. Right. Um, I don't care. But like, that's what I want my leaders to basically. It's a great skill set. Yeah. It's, it's a great skill set. It's a great mindset. Yeah. All right, Donna. So we got to start with the little kids today too. Yeah. There we'll you go. There. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll right. uh, get a breather and we'll do the sustainability next time. So. For sure. All right. I'd love to. All right. Thanks, John. Sure, sure. Thanks.